Hello and welcome back. This is Stephen Meadows, VP of Operations at CB Premier. Thanks for tuning in to The Price is Right, Valuation Tips from the Masters. This recording is from our career development course that we held a few months ago, hosted by our phenomenal Miller team. A lot of this content will be helpful through audio. However, there are some screenshot and screen share situations where you may not know exactly what they're talking about. So if you are within the Coldwell Banker Premier family, I would suggest going to the training site, premiertrainingonline.com, and tuning in to the actual video to see some of the demonstrations. Otherwise, I hope you enjoy this audio recording and learn a lot. Welcome everybody to uh, Career Development Thursday. We are super, super excited to have the Miller team presenting The Price is Right. Uh, they're going to be schooling us on uh, how to do an effective CMA. So uh, I think it'll be a very valuable experience uh, for everyone. I am going to go ahead and uh, turn it over to Sheila in case she wants to say a few words, but otherwise let's uh, strap in and have a good one. I think there is no introduction needed for the Miller team. We all know them and respect them. So go for it. Uh, um, just so I understand, are, are, is everybody, everybody can mute and unmute themselves? No, right. right, okay. All right, so good morning everyone and welcome to CMA Class 101. <laughs> this morning, Adam is going to be taking the lead on this. He's, uh, he's my CMA king. Usually Adam is the best one at pricing, believe it or not. And um, I shouldn't say that, say it that way. Um, and then we have a lot of discussion between ourselves and our clients over how we arrive at those numbers and then um, usually list the property from there. So there's Adam. Good morning. Hello everybody. Thanks for getting up this morning with me. <laughs> uh, or thank you for getting up with us yeah yeah not a morning person normally so um i actually worked last night on a, on a powerpoint i don't know if we want to put it on the screen instead of me sitting here looking like a like a yeah you can guy. share you should be able to share your screen if you want Ooh. down okay. at the bottom yeah share screen i i disabled it so you guys could do it i see it now Boom. All right. Does everybody see my screen now, I'm guessing? Mm -hmm. Can you still see me? Yes. Okay. Just wondering. Um, it's nothing fancy. I just kind of slapped it together last night. It did take forever, but uh, it's, it's nothing special. Uh, so getting the price right is obviously important for, um, for your for your marketing, for your client, for your listing presentation, really for, for everything. In order to be um, the expert in the field, you have to be able to, to um, know value. Uh, so, you know, somebody, somebody gets a hold of you one way or another. Maybe it's through Holly's list, which she would love to, to find out that you're using her list and you've uh you've got a schedule with with somebody on there that is dying to sell your house or maybe you got a call from lead router where um no, no. Hey, did you not? i don't care if it's a cat 
sorry. Um, you get a call from lead router and you know, it's actually a listing lead and you get an opportunity for a, for a listing appointment through that or more like your sphere of influence and you have to really know your stuff um, in order to impress your, your, uh, your sphere of influence and be able to retain those, those uh, leads coming in. So again, getting, getting the price is important. So um, one thing uh, we like to do is to kind of do the research up front. So you, you get a you get a call or whatever, and um, you know you don't know a lot about this property. So the first thing you should do is pull up public information for it. Um, I like to start with NAR RPR. Um, I think it's a great resource and. In fact, I don't know if I can do this right. Uh, should be able to go to the web page here, but I can't figure out how to control Zoom well enough. So I'm not going to try it. Um, but yeah, so NARPR has a ton of information on there as far as uh, gives you an automated value, of course, once you once you search a property. But it has public facts such as the square footage, the acreage. How many bedrooms, uh, bathrooms, and you can also edit that that information. So, um, so you're able to uh, update it in real time and, and keep track of it. So that's that's a nice resource as far as it goes. It's got um, maybe you are are you able to see this now? My screen with the website? No, no website. Let me see. Oh, there we go. New share. Let's go with screen. And now you can see my see the website, right? So uh, I actually got a call from from Miss Paula Miller. She was dying to sell this house that she's she's living in. So you know, I, I didn't know much about it. So I decided I need to look this property up. Uh, actually, doing a tax record search, search I found. I didn't get a lot of information from lead router. It doesn't always give me an address, you know, just kind of says, Hey, we're, we're selling a house in Shepherdstown today. Um, so I pulled up her information and found that she lives at one of five parcel drive. Um, uh, so from here, I'm able to see kind of what she, uh, top down view. I don't get a great idea, but you know, it looks like, uh, something's going on two houses here, maybe. So maybe a duplex or something. And uh, one thing I like to see here is this uh, RVM confidence, five stars. That means that they're pretty confident about this uh, valuation up here on the, on the left and um, kind of gives you a price range there. And we like seeing that price range because it kind of gives me an idea of, of the window that this, this home can fit into. Uh, then you scroll down, you see some nice information as far as the lot when it was built, also important. Um, and some other features such as that it's got a, got a garage and it doesn't have a basement, it does have a fireplace, et cetera. Um, so, so that's one. Um, we can go to my list here. So I actually have several of these on here. So RPR is, is one of them that I like to start with. I like to go to HomeSnap also. Um, HomeSnap is powered by the MLS and it really, um, 
really draws the, the information right from our MLS, which is nice. And in um, HomeSnap, it gives a nice property view. So I can see here that I was correct that this house is a little unique and it's, it's a duplex. Um, so you can see the property line cuts this house right in half. Um, so that indicates to me that, okay, um, this is not a totally detached home. I can also come down here and verify the, the information between these two, um, which is virtually different, which is something you'll find sometimes on these things. This one says 2,420 square feet as opposed to home snap, which only has it as 1,800 square feet. Um, my feeling just by looking at it is that the 2420 is probably more accurate. The 1800 is a very round number. Um, the 2420 is a little more educated, at least. It's, it's, it's got some uh, depth to it, to the number. Um, so then from there, I kind of got two ideas. Um, unfortunately, my screen just went blank. Unfortunately, HomeSnap didn't give me a value there. Um, HomeSnap's great, but they're kind of limited sometimes. They don't always have the answer you're looking for. As you can see, 1,800 square feet, something, something's going on. It was incorrect there. Let me see if I can move this. Thank you. All right, so Zillow, of course. Um, you know, not everybody loves Zillow. I, if Paul was on the mic, she'd tell you, you know, bah, Zillow. Realtor.com is better, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Um, fact is though, is that your, your owners, your buyers are probably at least looking here. Um, so you need to be also. Um, so Zillow also nice that it gives you a range. One of the only websites that gives you a range and it also gives you their, you know, middle point where they actually think it kind of lies. Uh, they give you some, some, some change information also. So, so far I've got two values. I've got a RPR, it says, you know, 356, anywhere from 327 to 384. I've got the Zillow that says 280 to 389. So the high side's about the same, but the low side kind of fell off there. Um, and so the value came down a little bit. Um, so from there, kind of keep going down my list. I still got so there's seven of these that I like to run through. Trulia, Realtor, Redfin, and Chase. So I'll run through those quickly. Trulia is not always as helpful as Zillow, even though they're run by the same company. 105 Hartzell Drive does not pull up anything. Don't know why. Uh, find houses in Shepherdstown. Um, Realtor.com tells me when it was last sold which is nice. Um, it often gives me a value, but yeah, it gives me a value this time. Um, so you can see that looks like Paula bought this house in 2017 for 280,000. Is that correct? Yes, that is correct, she says. So this is good information. Makes me reaffirm that the 2420 square feet is probably accurate. Um, Gives me a little map so I can kind of see where it's at also, which is nice, but I can do that other places. Um, and then Redfin. Redfin actually gives me a value also, which is nice. Um, Redfin gives this home a value of 317,000, last sold 280. So uh, it's fallen, it's fallen. Mom, your value's really coming down here on these, on these websites. Um, 
So, so this gives me an, an idea though. Um, and one more, where's Chase right there? Chase. Chase really got her low, 287.9, kind of on the, the bottom side of it. Um, so you can see how different these things can be. Um, and you can kind of go and, and, and you get a little window there. So I can also see on, on this Chase site, some of these other properties. Um, and for some reason, 287.9 is lower, 314. There's a, there's a 283, there's a 301, there's a 346 across the street. Um, and it looks to me like most of these homes are, are alike. So I'm gonna say that, you know, maybe that that's a little low. Even her neighbor is uh, 15,000 higher um, and they're attached. And uh, as far as I can tell you being there, there's not really any difference. Um, so uh, I like, again, to go back by, by RPR's window, they have the five-star confidence. Makes me feel pretty good about, about where they're at. Um, so I'm gonna say maybe on the low to mid side of there and walk into Paula with the mentality that, okay, maybe a 349 is possible, you know, 325 I'd really like her to say, but kind of gives me a, something to go by. Um, and, and also I can, I'm comfortable if she's expecting 375 even. I'm not like, wait a minute, that's, you know, that's way out of here, 400. We might start to worry about some things though, just just from the the glimpse of everything here. All right, so again, beat up the beat up the uh, automated values, but but yeah, from there again, I get a base value range um, where I am. I've got a window now without even knowing anything about this property. Um, so from there, I actually made this uh, not too long ago. Um, this is a little worksheet that I put together because you know I get these values and I'm usually jotting them down on a sheet of paper or something silly walking into this thing and and I'm you know you get more notes coming in so so this here is a worksheet there's actually another side to the worksheet there's actually a link down here I don't know if it'll work for you guys but you can try it if not I can send it to you um, so it's a it's a front and back side worksheet this this side Obviously, you got your property address, your seller name, and all that stuff. So you, you, you're able to, to copy these automated values right into here, have them in front of you uh, for, for your presentation. Um, and then it also is able to go in further and use some of the HOA, or sorry, the uh, CMA information that we're going to kind of get to here in a moment to kind of paint this picture of what this property has at the, uh, at the end of the day in comparison to its, to its neighbors. So uh, one thing I learned uh, probably my first year um, was we did a, uh, I had a, um, we had a referral, a corporate referral and I went and I don't know what mom was doing, but she leaves me out to dry all the time. I'm hanging out there doing this thing by myself. And, um, and uh, no, it, it went really well and afterwards you know, I'm able to do everything by the computer. So afterwards, they gave a nice feedback, uh, which is unusual for a lot of clients, but they said, you know, Adam did a great job. Uh, it was kind of surprising that he didn't bring anything. You know, we, we, uh, we, don't, we don't have a lot of information uh, that we we're remembering, but, but it's nice to have it in front of them. So don't go empty handed. It was a, it was a lesson I learned, uh, whatever it is, 
um, bring something to, to hand out, a uh, value sheet, uh, information about yourself, uh, a, a little handout, whatever it is. Um, so a couple easy, quick things that you can do. Um, HomeSnap, again, has a nice uh, rapid CMA. And right there. Uh, HomeSnap, unfortunately, was not very helpful with 105 Hartzell Drive. Um, but if I put in another address, uh, let me just find the house. Um, blah, blah, blah. We'll do mine. Let me see how it does. So right over here, you've got send a rapid CMA. Uh, you have to, one thing about this is you got to have a price. So that kind of is why I start with the automated values in order to go to this. You need to have some idea of, of what the place costs. I'm going to go with mine is 195,000. I don't know. It's not actually attached. It's also, I guess a co-op. I don't even know what that is, but try that. Does not find anything. Let's go with attached. Mm -hmm. All right, so Homestep's great because it gives you some easy leads onto some properties that may be comparative. My house is a is a is a duplex. Also, it's a two bedroom, two bathroom villa they call it. Um, but I would say it's similar to a rancher. Um, probably not going to find a lot of two bedroom ranchers, but three bedroom, two bath rancher would work. There is actually a two bedroom, two bath house right here. It's under contract. I'm gonna select that one. Uh, I'm select this one here. Also, if I click on them, I'm able to get some more information about that property. You know, see some pictures about it, et cetera. Um, get some more, get some more data down there. Uh, and so let's say I only found two for sale. Then I come down through here and I get a couple more solds. Let's grab that is let's not grab it uh this one went off market don't see that very often mm, again it's tough tough to grab some here but ultimately this is just a quick cma so i'll grab a couple properties that i think look similar it next i can put an email address in here a little note usually i'll mail this to myself because right now i don't even know what it says so that's the one thing i don't like about it uh but it is what it is so i usually email this to myself so i can preview it. I can understand what I'm sending to my people. Um, but basically as soon as you hit submit, um, it's going to take a, a few minutes and it will email me a report. Of course, I should have sent it to myself or something. All right. So, um, so from there, yeah. Okay. I guess, so I got a CMA coming. It's not going to be great, but it, it is nice. It gives me um, a, a map. It gives me comparables. It, it shows the, the differences between them. It also gives me the um, uh, averages, of the, the range. It gives me a value range on there usually. Um, so also another nice tool, not a CMA, but NARPR has a mini property report, which is right. The mini property report. I did this one on Paula Miller's place, uh, one of five parts will drive. So it gives me a lot of information about Shepherdstown. It puts right big in front RVMs, um, 
valuation of the property being 356. You can actually hide that. It's an option to hide that. So if you're not ready to show this, that's fine. That's an option. Um, you can change the listing facts in RPR, like I suggested. Um, and it really kind of gets back down into that, some of that public information and some square footages um, and the property history, assessed values, kind of just some data. It's nothing that I really use, but it is a handout nevertheless that says, okay, I pulled up your information. I know your property a little bit. Um, I like this one, this housing stats and charts that actually gives you uh, so, so the, the estimated home value has gone up 6%. The list price change over a month has gone up 9.6%. And over 12 months, it's gone up 18% in Shepherdstown zip code. So there's um, some information you might not have had going into that. Um, and then uh, some other useful stuff here. And then some, some advertising stuff, freedom settlements, success mortgages down here. It's an opportunity to plug them as well. Um, and then, so from there, another great tool is also the CBX Buyer Locator, which is an exclusive tool provided by Coldwell Banker. Um, not one that I often go to, but really looking at it again, it does have some really more in-depth information, even than that RPR mini report. Um, shows you how much people are spending on home improvements. It shows you where your buyers are probably going to come from. Uh, this one says Frederick, okay, which is possibly right. People like Shepherdstown from Frederick. They like to come visit us. Um, median commute time. I mean, it's got some information here about uh, some, some people in the area, some real demographic information here that you're not going to find anywhere else. Uh, and so that's kind of impressive to somebody. It's not lengthy. It's only four pages here, I think. Um, but definitely something that you could print out and hand out um, to really show that you may have an idea of who, who could be their buyer. Um, so that's, that's a nice, uh, nice resource. So again, these, these things don't take long at all. Um, Home snap. Yeah. I had to pick a couple properties, but RPR and CBX buyer locator are as simple as plugging in the address of the property and you get that. Um, I also suggest, taking things such as tax records, flats, deeds, flood maps, and any other publicly available information. Uh, get any feedback so far? All right, so, um, you know, not all properties, you can just walk in there with a uh, quick CMA and some, and some market material as far as, you know, what the market's doing. Everybody knows it's hot right now. Prices are up. You know, I want to know how far up. I want to know what my property's worth. How much can I sell it for right now? Um, you know, who else is, is, has sold and who else is, is active in, in my area as far as what's my competition. So um, really there's, two ways that I know of, and I prefer the first one using Bright, but you can also use NAR or PR uh, to go down through. RPR actually has two different types. They've got one, which is, you don't edit so much stuff. You kind of just pick it and uh, it streamlines. It's more for price discussion, more maybe, maybe for the first meeting, as opposed to the sales comparison analysis, which is 
really evaluation workbook um, where you can go down line by line. Um, same thing that we are going to do through Bright. So it is certainly a, a viable option. Uh, but again, I, I like using Bright. It pulls information right from the MLS. We're able to grab the listings that you are looking at right there, throw them into a, a CMA, uh, and it's really kind of streamlined into, into that process. So um, the, the process, um, you know, before you can compare any house, you need to kind of define what it is. So I'm going to back away from, from Paula's house because it's kind of difficult to uh, find comparable properties because her neighborhood has uh, 20 houses and they all look similar and that's about it in Shepherdstown. Um, so, you know, we're going to want to define whether it's a detached home, a townhouse, or a multifamily usually. Um, the, the duplexes and stuff, they get a little picky and get a little market specific. So, uh, and then style also. A lot of homes, two-story colonial, um, single-story rancher, um, but then you do have some A-frames. You've got some contemporary builds. You've got craftsmen and all kinds of other stuff in between there. Um, I find that colonials are most often compared to colonials. Ranchers are most often compared to ranchers, but other houses can kind of go everywhere. So um, if you've got a contemporary house, or split floors are split are split floors also. But if you've got one of these bi levels or uh, you know some sprawling multi floored whatever, it, it's you're not going to find another one. And we sold a, a a bubble house, you know, a dome looking house. You're not going to find another one. So you got to go outside of that sometimes. But it's very important at the same time because when you're dealing with like properties, it makes things easier. Um, the relative age of the property, you're not going to compare new construction to anything that's not new construction, first off. Um, and then you're kind of going to go 25 year brackets I have here. It's kind of tough to put a number on it, but, but you're not going to compare a house from 2015 to a house from 1985 without making some uh, adjustments to it. There's, there's some age discrepancies, um, systems have changed, et cetera. Uh, and then you also have historic homes where the, the, the age of it is, all, is so old, it doesn't even matter. It's, it, you're not going to compare it to a newer home. You have to find other historic homes that uh, maybe, maybe are relative to it. Um, and then the size of the property is also probably one of the most important things. Um, usually, if it's, if it's on public water and under an acre, they're going to keep it compared to properties that are on public water and under an acre. If it's on well and septic and an acre or so, they're probably not gonna go grab houses that are smaller uh, acreage wise than, than an acre. They're probably gonna continue to grab well and septic houses, but they can. Um, and once you kind of get over that acre threshold, um, it kind of jumps into windows in my opinion of, of where they're gonna wanna try to lie to find, to find comparable properties. Um, so now we've kind of got an idea of, of our property, what it, what it is. Um, and then, so before you can get a value, you need to research the surrounding area. I like to start small and then kind of get bigger to make sure that your market isn't, isn't just very acute. It's um, it, it, because it's influenced by the, by the larger whole also. Um, and so you want to make sure that 
you know, you might have a, val a, a neighborhood that has lower values or has higher values, um, and but you might be able to find comps in neighboring comparable uh, neighborhoods that you might be able to boost a, a standout house in a, in a nice neighborhood. Um, we kind of had one recently where um, other listing agent came in and priced it $30,000 under what I did in this market. And, and I looked at the comps with mom and she wasn't wrong necessarily. Um, the ones I chose to use um, were top of the pile in there because this house was very nice. And I was also able to say, you know, I think you should go out and, and grab these other ones that are still in the same um, zip code. But, you know, there's enough properties in the, in the subject neighborhood that I didn't have to necessarily, but it did help substantiate the value, which we already got. So, um, so zip code, defined map area is another way to start small. Um, you know, people want to live in historic Harpers Ferry, historic Winchester, maybe. Um, there's, there's no zip code for that. You know, Harpers Ferry, I can tell you, it stretches all up on the mountain. It comes in the, the route, or route 340, it goes across Route 340. I mean, it really goes a lot of different places. And when people call about Harpers Ferry, usually they're talking about the historic area. So sometimes defining a map view, which is uh, possible through, uh, right, let me, I'll get in here. Um, I find that, that it can be very beneficial to, to do that. Let me actually, I got one set up. Shepherd's down. So you can see I've got a map area selected. So yeah, so it's got it. I did a, a polygon around Shepherdstown for walkable to Shepherdstown. People want to be able to walk to town. Uh, it's not possible everywhere. A lot of, a lot of areas in Shepherdstown don't have access to a bike path or anything like that. You'd have to drive. So uh, walkable to Shepherdstown is a, is a search that I made stretching the areas that I know that you can kind of get around. So it's been very beneficial for several people to find properties that way. Um, so doing a map search is, is another way to kind of start small. Uh, if, if the zip code might even be a little bit too big to really get what you're looking for without getting all the noise. Uh, I mean, you can filter it out, sure, but easy when everything is, is nice and concise. Um, so from there, you know, we've, we, we did the, the small, maybe we'll bump out into, um, I say a defined radius, uh, but I might've jumped out into other neighborhoods in the zip code. I might've done a defined radius of five miles, 10 miles, something like that to kind of uh, grab everything in the circle. Uh, it usually crosses county lines and stuff doing that though. So I don't often do that, but it is an option. And then again, search within the county and perhaps the neighboring communities, uh, neighboring counties um, is an option for the higher value. You kind of go up um, selling a 
10 acre horse farm right now and there's just not a lot of comparable properties to it you're not going to find another property that looks like it in maybe three or four counties so you, you even have to kind of think about going outside of the state in order to even value something like that so it is possible you don't want to do it um, it's more of a have to thing um, but ultimately an, an appraiser may have to do the same thing yes contract requires an appraisal they're going to have to value the property one way or another um so once you kind of get into your search you want to start with looking for closed properties within 180 days that is the standard that the appraisers are going to use what's sold in the past six months uh, that is similar to your property you'll also want to look up active properties and coming soon properties that'll give you the competition that is in your area um, maybe in your neighborhood, maybe in the neighborhood across the street, maybe just in the county, wherever the competition is, though. Right now, inventory is super low around here, at least. So, um, you know, finding competitive properties can be difficult, um, even um, to really find something that's like yours that is even active on the market. Um, and then under contract properties, it kind of give you an idea of okay, well, they, they were able to get a contract at this, um, this asking price. I don't know if that's the actual contract price, but it gives me an idea that it's working out for them. Um, and then sometimes you might have to go back uh, to get a better idea of what the neighborhood can really um, get. Uh, there's not a lot of sales maybe in this neighborhood, so you have to go back a little further, 365 days, two years, 730 days, maybe even three years, or maybe just all time, what is even sold in this neighborhood to get an idea of what you might be able to get for this property. Um, there's always, the best house in the neighborhood has to sell, you know, and, and doesn't have to, but it will sell sometime. I mean, they're gonna put it up for market and it might be more expensive than its neighbors. Uh, and you have to be able to kind of justify that and find the top range of the community in order to say, this is probably the top range of your house since you are the top of the community. So kind of go through the process as I call it here. Um, in order to do that, what I do is I go and make a cart. So do, 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 do. Uh, once, you do a, once you do a search, you're able to So once you do a search, it's a predefined search I've got for our, for our active listings. Um, you're able to check things and you can put them in a cart down here. You can make a million carts if you want. So I suggest making a cart for each of your uh, clients. So you make a cart for your client. Then as you're searching around and you find something that's similar, you throw that property into the cart. Uh, so you're going, you're going through your steps here, you, you know, you're starting small. So you're, you're throwing a couple properties in the neighborhood in, and then you kind of bump out. And so you say, all right, well, you know, there's, there's, uh, this house, uh, just down the road from it. Uh, and then there's, uh, two houses in, in the neighborhood that I say are, are kind of comparable. So you get all these, these in this cart, um, and it's able to kind of keep them all together. 
and also it saves it um, so that you're able to reference them later if you need to or anything like that. But it makes it super easy to pull right into a CMA in Bright. Uh, so I suggest doing that. Um, so from, from there, we're kind of getting into let's actually do a CMA. So I've got a couple that I did relatively recently. Um, so um, I think I get out of order here a little bit. So it's important to, uh, when, you, when you're kind of doing this, is to set up your, your CMA. So here are the, uh, the pages I suggest to kind of include with it. Cover sheet with the border, because I'm fancy, I like the border. Uh, it's got your price adjustments, which I'm going to go over here in a moment. Uh, summary of the comparable properties, which is just as it says, it, it kind of shows them uh, summarized together. A comparables to overview gives a look. Let me pull it out so I know what I'm talking about. Adjustments, comparables, overview, just does a little thing. It talks about um, the listing price, what the range is, and how many bedrooms and bathrooms and square footage of the homes. Summary of the comparable properties shows the list price, the closed price, some of the square footage prices, um, which is more and more important to buyers these days. Uh, we've also got the brief summary of compared listings, the CMA brief, which again, just kind of does a little table listing of everything. Uh, it's kind of repetitive, but it's a nice, it's a different format and it's easy to read. Uh, we've got the results statistics, which really get into some of the heavier statistics as far as the minimums and the maximums and the averages and all that all that stuff um again the analysis detail report even even a little more more concise um i don't usually get into these things unless we're really digging through the numbers as far as pricing uh but the pricing recommendation page is also very nice um i think i can pull this all up on here also let me It's generating the CMA that I've already made here, just to give you an overview again. So you got the house with the border, our little picture on there made, made for you by us. Here's your property. Here's some relative properties. So you can see the side-by-side -side comparison. Uh, uh, picked up quite a few houses on this one to kind of figure out this property. Uh, so you're going to see a good bit of information on these pages. This is the summary of the comparable properties, uh, the overview of the properties, the kind of the listings in between this range and that range and the square footage of them, et cetera. Um, brief summary, a more concise summary, more stats, more stats. Uh, the pricing recommendation kind of down here. This is, a, this is an important page that shows all the averages and everything kind of broken out. And it also gives you a nice area to make some notes about the property, um, which can prove very important. Uh, one, to say why it's important to price it right, just in case you need some reinforcement while you're there. And then a CMA map, which shows kind of relative distance to some of these properties. So this one, 
I actually trimmed down from here significantly is because you can see I've got properties kind of all over the place. Um, so So while we're making our CMA for this, in order to do this, um, so I've already I've already gone through. I've selected my properties um, in the comparables screen here. I'm able to pull them in through the cart right here. Add from cart, so I'm able to go and pull up my cart, grab the properties, throw them in there. Uh, I'm able to see them on a map before I go in, so I can actually go through here and say, you know what, these these couple out here, I should probably change something like that. Then it gets into these adjustments. Um, some of this is, is not an exact science. This is just what works for me. It's also what I've taken from appraisals. Keep your appraisals. There's information on there that are very valuable. Kind of going to go over some of that. So the above grade square footage is probably the most important one. Most commonly we see here um, is $25 a square foot. But if you do start to get up in value, you will see maybe 30 or $35 per square foot above grade. Uh, below grade, I usually find it to be $8 a square foot. Um, and, and again, so you just take the differences between your property and the other property and, you know, multiply that, that footage difference and you get this number. Um, same thing with bathrooms, half bathrooms. Um, so those two numbers are, are kind of proprietary to me. They don't really show up in an appraisal, but I find them to be pretty useful as far as, you know, setting up a, a full bathroom, you've got a little more plumbing. So you got, you know, a, a bigger um, value than obviously a half bath. So I give it 4,000 compared to 1,500. A bedroom really isn't anything except an office with a closet. So it costs another thousand dollars to make a closet, fireplace, some of them are gas, some of them are wood, some of them might be really fancy. So it can kind of have a range. I usually see it to be about 2,000, 1,000 sometimes. I've seen 3,000 even, but that's for kind of nicer things. Garage spots, um, or maybe a lack of a garage entirely, I usually see to be about four or $5,000. If you don't have a garage entirely, it can be probably a two car garage. It's gonna be maybe 10 grand. Um, fences, I usually see about four or $5,000. And then for each por porch deck or patio, I usually see about $4,500. Um, again, these are just estimates. Uh, I'm in my market and I know I've done this presentation with Judy Wolfrey before and, and she's given me some different numbers for, for Virginia market. So I know that things are different as far as across state lines, county lines, et cetera. So keep that in mind. And also that these numbers are just, they're my numbers. They're my numbers, so don't take them. <laughs> you can use them, but uh, just keep in mind that they're, they're self-made, you know, so. Um, and then, so that's nice for when there's like properties, like properties. So when I'm comparing uh, mom's house to her neighbor's house, which I know are almost the same, it's easy for me to use these numbers and not really have to go into more complicated numbers, but things are not always alike. We know that um, neighborhoods have so many different styles of houses typically. Um, and, and when you have to go outside of neighborhoods, you can really get into differences in age, 
acreage, but also quality and condition, which are two uh, appraiser terms that they use. Q1, Q2, Q3, Q4, or C1, C2, C3, C4, uh, based on the quality and the condition of the construction. So um, some houses are just built better. Um, custom builds uh, compared to a production build. You might have a, a Q2 for a production build. You're, you might have a Q4 for a uh, for a very nice custom home. And those those values can be very different, okay? Um, it's hard to get inside an appraiser's head when you get into some of these things. View is another one. Uh, if you have a beautiful mountain view, river view, whatever it is, might be 10,000, it could be 50,000. There's, there's sometimes that big of a window for these things. So that, that's kind of difficult when you, when you get into that stuff. Um, and they're also, again, they're used to substantiate larger differences. So if I've got a river property and I'm comparing to other properties that don't have river in front of it, but I don't really have a lot of options because there's just, there's only so much river. Um, you know, I've got to be able to kind of give some idea of what this, this price difference between non-river and river could be. So uh, this gives you some idea of what they can go by. Uh, did that. Um, so you go through the adjustment screen and you punch in these numbers, as you can see. Uh, so I've got the subject property kind of at the top and then you just kind of go down um, seller concessions, they're dollar for dollar, but bedroom or bathroom full, you know, so $4,000, this one has two more bathrooms. So it's actually $8,000, uh, half baths, thousand dollars a piece, or sorry, bedrooms, thousand dollars a piece. So five bedroom to a three bedroom, it's only given a, a couple grand. Uh, and you're thinking, well, you know, is that enough? It seems, seems small, you know, you're not getting what, the, the, I know there's a difference between a three bedroom and a four bedroom. And I know there's a difference between a four bedroom and a five bedroom, but nine times out of 10, that's going to be made up in, in the above grade square footage, or you're going to find that the, that fifth base or fifth bedroom is in the basement. Um, and so the, uh, the fact that it, you've got an extra bedroom to me is really just that you build another closet, but that you've got bigger space than maybe a, a three or four bedroom house. Uh, so that should be, that should be calculated in the above grade square footage. Um, half bath again, 1500 below grade at $8 acres is tough. Hopefully my properties are like, so this $10,000 number I have in there is, is relative to the size of it. These are all mostly under an acre. So when I went over an acre, it puts in a, a well and a septic system. So it needed to be substantial. If I was dealing with properties that are all over an acre and maybe up to 10 acres, I, you know, $10,000, that's a hundred grand between a one acre and a 10 acre. Could that be right? Yeah. Is it right? Probably not. Uh, they're probably going to go somewhere in between five and 10 maybe. Um, uh, and you might also make some adjustments based on the, the heating source, uh, the cooling source. These all fortunately have central heating and, and cooling, but if I did not and I've got uh, oil plant compared to a central heat pump or I don't have central air at all, 
Uh, I, I'm going to make some adjustments through there also, um, give the benefit for the heat pump system of a, a maybe up to four grand, eight grand, depending on the size of the house, probably about four grand um, over one that doesn't have it at all. If I'm talking about a, an old 70s rancher, they didn't put any air conditioning in it. It's got baseboard heat. You know, as compared to a rancher that somebody went in and they renovated and they put in that heat pump, uh, you know, I'm going to give them at least $2,500, maybe four grand. And it depends on, on what the, what the setup is. Again, you see garage spaces, fireplaces, kind of go down this list. It might have a pool, pool might be 10 grand, might be nothing. An appraiser might not give you anything for it. Uh, it kind of, it just depends if you need it. Um, so after I've kind of run through those adjustments, I click on the pricing screen and a good way to check your work, you know, cause that's what I get into is, all right, I've done, I've done this stuff. I've looked through these properties. I think I know what I'm talking about, but I mean, you know, this property is weird and it gives me this kind of uneasy feeling is, is it, I did, did I do this right? So the pricing tab in bright under initial additional analysis has a section for comparing the above grade square footage of the subject property. It's actually 20%. If it is more than 20% plus or minus than the subject property, um, this value right here highlighted, I think hopefully highlighted on your screen, um, would not be there. It says something about, um, you know, properties are 20% plus or minus square footage. So this value cannot be calculated. So if that value can't be calculated, then my subject properties might, or my comparable properties might need to be changed a little bit, or maybe my subject property isn't using the right square footage um, and I need to change that. Or maybe these comparable properties are not using the right square footage and, and I, I can change that even. Um, there's, there's a way to do that. So, um, you know, you, you wanna make sure that, in my opinion, that this is coming up, that means that these houses are relatively the same size not that you're comparing this five bedroom house to this three bedroom house. Um, you might be able to, but square footage needs to be pretty, pretty close. Um, and then the other things we want to do in order to be able to price or sorry, check our work is we take that, that base value range that we started with through the automated values through our first kind of get that, that window and it needs to line up kind of with these, this average, hopefully the average adjusted comparable price, um, it'll be able to um, kind of highlight that, all right, maybe, maybe my, my automated value research is, is kind of right and that this, this is accurate. Um, another thing I kind of touched on is looking at the map and saying, okay, are there some properties that, that I need to pull out of here? So on this one, there actually was uh, and so I ran a second CMA for it at the time where I used fewer, I used six as opposed to 11 um, comparable properties, which is a lot. Uh, but as you can see, the map difference is, <laughs> is it's day and night. Um, I, I, I stuck well closer to the subject property uh, to give them a better look. I actually sent them both of these. Here's what's going on in the county. Here's, you know, your property kind of fits in this little, the little niche hole here. So it's tough. Here's what's going on in the property. Here's what's going on in your community. Um, 
And so for this one specifically, I, I did two of them. Um, and, and again, come back down through here. Hopefully they kind of say similar things. Um, it actually shows that the local is a little bit better than, than the community at the time. But I'm, I, I, it looks like I went back a little further in order to get that data. I think I went back 365 days instead of 180 days. So it makes my information a little bit not as trustworthy. It might not be used on an appraisal, et cetera. Um, but, but using the map um, really to, def to refine and define your area um, is something that you can do to check your work. Um, bah, 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 what else did I put here? the base value price I said that uh, and then just double check the, the the square footage that you have a lot of information on the MLS it's put in by great agents who don't do their homework well enough and just kind of go with the tax record number and then we're stuck with the tax record number to try to compare all these properties so importance of doing your homework is so that we don't have to do the work again later um, but being able to trust that these numbers are, are accurate because sometimes you'll go in and you'll see that they're, they're adding the basement right onto the above grade square footage and a property that's 2,900 square feet adding a, a 900 square foot basement. It's now a 3,800 square foot house as compared to your 2,900 square foot house. And you're coming out low every time. Every time it's going to happen. So you got to be able to kind of check that a little bit and say, what is, are, they, are they just adding these? Is there a problem here? Um, so that that's certainly one consideration. And I just had another one. It just flew out of my head. Um, that's, uh, that's pretty much what I got as far as that is concerned. Um, and kind of just flew out of my head what I was going to say. But yeah, so you got a good idea, hopefully, about how to run through the automated values, how to um, use the appraiser's um, valuations for adjustments, and then to generate a more comprehensive CMA, uh, maybe, for, maybe for your first visit, but perhaps maybe for your second visit, um, going back to the property or to send them uh, and have a phone conversation about once they're able to look at it. It's a lot of material in, in the bigger CMA to kind of So keep that in mind. It's hard to just kind of do it on the fly. Okay. Adam, a got a question for you. Please. Hey, when you're doing these, do you ever go in and check the photos out of the comps uh, to see the condition of the other ones? Absolutely. Absolutely. It's something that, that, um, on a quick CMA, it's difficult to do. You know, if I'm going there tomorrow and I don't have time to really punch through all this, it's something that I'll kind of go through at the table with them. Like, okay, here's this property. Um, and they're saying, oh, oh yeah, that's the one down around the corner. Uh, you know, I, it, it looks about the same as mine. And I said, okay, well, let's, let's look inside it and see what it's got. You know, you've got, you've got carpet in your living room and you've got laminate countertops. They've got Oh, it looks like they did a kitchen renovation. Looks like they ran hardwood floors through here. Okay, maybe maybe they're maybe they're a little bit higher than yours then, you know, and they're able to see that. So absolutely, I think that's very important to run through pictures, especially when you're you're getting 
down a little tighter on your um, on your comparable property. Yeah, you, you hit it exactly to what, what I was looking for because uh, you could have a cookie cutter neighborhood. You know, Ryan Homes or Dan Ryan and one of them's carpet and vinyl and the next one's hardwood, granite, stainless steel. Mm -hmm. Exterior, something to consider, you know, whether it's got decks and porches and stuff like that, something to consider, um, which, which, you know, you're, you might not be thinking about when you're, when you're talking or your, your owner might not be thinking about when they're thinking about their neighbor. Oh yeah. They, they got that nice patio out back. That, that's pretty nice. Oh yeah. They got a fenced in yard. Okay. That's, those are things that, that they did that you haven't done yet. So. There's two other things, Adam. Um, a question Janine asked. Well, actually, I want to say on Jill, she said that she always includes the photo gallery with her comps or in her CMA. Um, but then Janine asked, "How do you how how do property conditions affect the valuation if the home is in disrepair?" Um, yeah, I mean, it can significantly affect the, the valuation. Um, I've, I've got one here. So condition, first off, is defined. It's actually defined by the appraisers. There it is. This is a FHA document, I believe. Gonna be difficult to see, but it's got the condition ratings and definitions C1, C2, C3, C4 through C6. Uh, so C1 is a newly constructed property, and C6 has substantial damage or deferred maintenance with deficiencies or defects, etc. So each one of these categories, each level could be. I mean, I've got an appraisal right here that that jumps two levels and is twenty-five thousand dollars on a four hundred thousand dollar property. So if you're going from a, so let's say it's not a brand new house, but you're going from a no deferred maintenance to a C4, which has some minor deferred maintenance, or even a C5, which has obvious deferred maintenance, um, you're talking about 25, uh, maybe, maybe 35, almost $40,000. So it, it could be a big number there potentially. And what Michael said also, that affects what type of loan many times, depending oh, on sure. what the problem is. Absolutely. Absolutely. And as far as to answer or to reflect on Jill's input, yeah, absolutely. Um, when I'm emailing a, a CMA, it's a lot easier to do pictures. When you're printing a CMA, you know, print, it, it, it's a waste of ink and, and it doesn't always come out as well as you'd like to. So sometimes it's easier to have your tablet, have your phone handy with your cart pulled up when you're going to these things. So you can just click right through them and pull up the entire picture pages and really zoom in and out of, of each house of each room uh, to look at the differences uh, even, even closer, Jill. Another thing is Tim brought up something and it, you just said that you send an email. So do you do, if you have time, do pre-listing packets? Sometimes. Um, usually, like I said, I send it to myself initially through maybe that quick CMA. Uh, we're going to a property and we just want to have something. We haven't done a lot of research. It might be the same day that we're going into this house. Um, it's nice to have something. Okay, what, what's happening in the neighborhood, et cetera. 
Uh, so usually I'll email that to myself so I can see it. And then if I like it, um, I can, I can just forward that onto them with a little description of kind of what I've done there. And, um, you know, that, uh, they don't have to print this out, but they can, we'll, we're going to go over it at, at the meeting, essentially something like that. Yeah. Set, set expectations of your meeting. There's mm -hmm. one thing as far as the different values. So you go in and I'll share this and you tell me if you guys have ever had to do this. I had a listing one time. It was a custom built home with a very good builder. And unfortunately he had Dan Ryan building everywhere around him. Now just to go into the home, I mean, to drive and look a lot of people, they had all their flags out, the model homes and all that. So I was lucky. I got all that traffic that was coming by and I noticed really quick, and in a hurry that when I was there that people come in, but over there they have this and I can get it for this amount. And I was explaining, but I thought I'm gonna go better than that. I literally had the builder from the footers up, all the things that was in that home that made that home more valuable and more sound, honestly, to compare to the other ones. So I, I had open houses a lot too and benefited from their foot traffic. And I would say, go over there and check that out, but take this with you and compare the house and then see which one is actually a better home, a better built home. And I actually sold it and it was almost 100,000 more than the homes in that area that Dan Ryan was building. Do you come across that? Sure, yeah, I mean, people, for, I'm, I'm gonna say it. People trash Dan Ryan all the time around here. Um, it, it's it's something we come into all the time, and so sometimes I'm even on the other side with trying to substantiate why Dan Ryan is 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 an okay builder. At the same time, um, mm -hmm. I, I run into that just as much as the the custom home issue. As far as you know, my my house is a standout around around other properties that might be a little lesser. Um, yeah, we run into that. I think custom people know usually that okay, customs another level. Um, but in between production builders or or even small builders, I'll call them that may do production homes or a spec home or whatever. Um, you know that that is kind of where I see that you have to kind of substantiate maybe the quality difference between. Mm -hmm. Okay, here's a here's a, a budget build as opposed to what Dan Ryan is building, which are our big, relatively nice homes. Um, everybody's got an opinion, of course. Mm -hmm. Can I jump in here a little? Please. Okay, first of all, I, I want to commend Adam, even though he's my son. This was a fabulous presentation, I think. <laughs> uh, especially as busy as we've been, I mean, extremely busy, and I know he, spent a lot of time putting this together last night oh, before you even get going mom one thing yeah. i forgot kind of remember what i wanted to say was that uh, a lot of our cmas recently very recently and i said this to mom yesterday were, have been a little low um so keep in consideration your market um there was out of all the appraisals i've had in the past i don't know five years that i was able to pull up i've got one most recently which i'm pleased to see actually the appraiser marked it was an increasing market which oh. yeah it was uh, it was keith hadley in fact uh on on um 
on Bowers. Um, yeah, so oh. it's unusual to see that, but we knew that the market had been increasing. Still though, appraisers were not marking this. They were marking that it's a stable market. Mm -hmm. Everything's stable right now. We're not seeing big increase in values. Um, and so it was a bit surprising to see that, um, but it kind of plays into my, my point was that the CMAs that I had been doing, you know, they're all a picture of the past and that market was moving very, very, very fast. And so even going back six months was difficult. We didn't have a lot of options because there wasn't any listings to compare it to otherwise, but, you know, going back six months, even the market was moving so much faster that values were 15, 25, $30,000 higher than, than what the numbers had come out to. Mm -hmm. And, 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 and Adam is right. It, you know, cause obviously when you're doing a CMA, you're looking at history um, of what is already sold and going back six months, that was at the beginning of COVID. So, and look how it's ramped up since. And, and just look at Shepherdstown alone, what Adam showed us on the increase in, in home prices over the last year of 18, I think it was 18%. Um, uh, you know, I don't know how much more we can substantiate that, but that's, that's what's happening in our market. Um, a couple of things that I pulled up um, in addition to what Adam did uh, were a lot of Adam's notes. I actually, I don't know if you can see what I've got here. I pulled up some of Adam's notes that he used to work from prior to having all these other little valuations that he has to work with now and how he runs through a little list, a little chart uh, before we even go to the house so that he's, we're ready to go when we get there. And Caldwell Banker, now this is probably old information from old CB Exchange, but it even has a step-by-step -step that you can pull up yourself and uh, Caldwell Banker by the numbers, making a first impression, pricing it right. All these things are, are in our CB Exchange. So if you're relatively new, a new agent, and you don't have a lot of material behind you, CB Exchange is invaluable to help you give a presentation that looks like you've been an agent for years. Because you can also do a lot of the stuff by the numbers just for, for what our company produces. And Michael would be, Michael or Sheila would be an invaluable resource to help you produce something that goes along with the company to help you, um, you know, market yourself when you're out there with the CMA. Um, I pulled this, we had a guy earlier this year that was probably tested us to the mantle because he prepared a list and emailed it to us of what he wanted to know about us, okay, to go hand in hand with the CMA. And I, I'll, I'll try to find it and pull it up for you, but he wanted to know how, what our transactions were between 2017 and 2018 into 2019. How many did we sell? How many of them were our own? Um, what's, what was our average days on the market? Um, do we stage homes? Uh, how often do we stage homes? Um, I, I, I was amazed at some of the questions that he asked. And we, um, we went through and, and prepared a response for him on everything that we did. And uh, he was tough. We did get his home sold. And actually we probably could have got a lot more for his home if he would have waited <laughs> a year uh, since the market has done so well because he was in Huntfield. He was in a model home in Huntfield. Uh, but uh, that just shows you how much the market has changed from one year to the next. But that, that's another thing that made us realize how prepared you should be 
when you go to these appointments. And what Adam said about learning a lesson about going with nothing in your hand, um, if, not, if you guys are not on Facebook with Lab Coat Agents, it's called Lab Coat Agents. Don't ask me why that's such a weird name, but their Facebook page is an excellent, excellent resource. Agents from all across the nation ask questions, put up issues, ask you to help them with something. But one of the ones I read yesterday was exactly what Ann was saying from an agent who had sold the property previously to these clients who had become friends of his. And then they were going to resell. And he went to that appointment like he was going, in his opinion, to a social gathering. He wasn't prepared with anything. He just, ha ha, let's have a good time. Talk about your house. I'm going to get the listing anyway, blah, blah, blah. He didn't get the listing. They listed it with somebody else that went there prepared with what they were going to do for him to sell his home. It was a $900,000 home. And uh, he, he, he totally took the blame for it. He said it was the best lesson I could have ever learned to not take a friendship or a past client for granted that they're just going to automatically hire me. Be prepared with, you know, with what you're doing. Uh, also, I love pulling up production. I love pulling up our production and, and being ready with that. And, just, and you just go right into Bright and just go right over to market research and you can pull up your agent production or you can pull up your office production. So if you don't have a lot of production behind you yet, pull up the office, take that with you. And, um, and, and that way you're a little more prepared. If somebody asks you that question, you've got the information with you. You can give them your average home, what's the average price that you sell under? How many listings have you sold this year? How many of them do you sell yourself? How many of them are co-brokers? It's all, it's a, a, a printout report. And if you're a team, you can put in both of your, two, all three of your whatever IDs, it'll pull up for everybody, which I really love. Then, you're, then you don't have to go in for each, each one and, and do it one at a time. And then I also liked what Jill said about the photo gallery. And, and she's right, having a photo gallery, but like Adam said, pr printing that stuff is, is cumbersome and, and a waste. Uh, if you have it digitally, that's one thing. Not everybody wants to look at everything digitally. We found that a lot with clients. Some of them are fine with it and some of them want you to have something to leave behind. So have something also to leave behind. Um, you know, we, I've told you this probably 10 times before, the little um, letter opener gadget that Adam and I have that we put our business card in. And that is our leave behind. That is what we say, when, especially when we're, we know we're in competition, we hand them the letter opener and we let them know that we're here for them and we feel that we're a cut above the rest. Got that? That's on the little letter opener. The people love those things. They keep them forever. They always use them because we still do get mail. And Sheila has, has talked about our photo presentation book before. We just made up a new one. And we have one of our fine homes that we sold last year on the, on the back cover of it. But the inside of our book, it just has a variety of homes that we have sold so we can really kind of give a, an, um, a seller an idea of what we do to market their home, how we photograph it, that we drone it, that we take highlights of golf courses or water views or whatever we're, you know, and we love to look at kitchens and how we make them, we like our clients to make them just as clean and simple as possible when the pictures are being taken. Declutter your home. Pictures 
of other people's homes speak a, a million words. <laughs> so when you walk into a home, sometimes you think you're ready with a price. And that's the other reason why Adam says, don't always show the price because you walk in the home and you go, oh my God, this house needs paint and carpet and blah, blah, blah. So you, you think it's going to be worth 400,000 and you walk in and you think, hell, I'm not even sure it's worth 350 in this condition. Okay, so you might want to start your presentation on what are we going to do to put this house at 400? And, and I always like to second look at the house because I'm not good at visualizing what it's going to look at because I don't know if they're going to do everything I'm asking them to do. But if they do, if you go in there with a totally different perspective, I see Wendy shaking her head, it, 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 it's true, you, you go in and go, oh, well, now I can see 400 without a doubt. But, but it's a partnership. You have to work together and the, and the client has to be willing to work with you to do that. And even though we're in a great strong seller's market, don't let them think that their house is gonna sell easily as is. Because everybody shops online, everybody shops by pictures. Everybody wants to see that move in ready home. My two cents. <laughs> had to unmute myself. Can I tag something in there? Paula kind of goes on with what you said. Mm -hmm. So on, on the Outlist Outlast class, yes, this is a plug for Outlist Outlast, but it definitely ties in with what Paula and um, Adam, or Adam do, is Outlist Outlast, all you guys that took it and didn't get me your numbers, we do want to give you your prize, but we have to know everybody what you listed and stuff. As soon as you get that to me, we will get that. So getting back to what I was going to say. So Outlist Outlast, the one thing, it breaks it down in kind of a few components. The first thing above anything, it's like Paula, what you said, he just went to a social gathering. It's what he thought. And he thought he was just going to get the listing because of he knew them. But doing a pre-qualification, everybody talks about pre-listing, but pre-qualification is super important because that, through the class, Outlist Outlast actually helps you drill down as to, you got what personality type are they? Like, mm -hmm. maybe they want all this data when you go there, but then their personality type may be that you might just do the price recommendation and a few pictures and, and talk and explain. So knowing the personality type, personality type, understanding their need, and then your pre-qualification, you are drilling down what their need is. So when you do go to your listing, you are going prepared with what they need, you know, because you can show them everything. Uh, and Stephen's probably, if he's on here, he's probably laughing. You can show them everything. I need to learn this in recru recruiting. I could do it in listings, but I need to do it in recruiting. You get excited about everything that you want to show them, but in reality, that you've probably lost them. So I'm glad you brought that up about that guy just assumed he's going to get the listing. But if he'd done his pre-qualification with the gentleman and forgot about the friendship, and this is important to him, what's his need? What type of personality type? How do I present all this stuff? So I think you guys do all of that. And you didn't take the Outlist Outlast class, but it's a lot of common sense stuff. So I think your initial time, you can talk on that 
what you do when you initially talk to them and people that want to, they take the out list out last. I'm going to be doing it again in January. But what do you guys do when you first talk to them? What's the things that you guys want to attain from them other than what you've already attained, Adam, like um, technology wise? Um, I'm, I mean, one of the most important things to me is, is kind of the, their, their timeline to know how quickly we need to move on things. Um, and, and then the, to appoint the condition of the house, but how much of how much work do we have to put into getting the house to a point where um, it can achieve its maximum value? Um, and, and maybe that's not uh, an option for everybody to to do that. Um, with the state of disrepair, et cetera. We run into it also. It's not like it's, um, you know, we're, we're immune to it or anything. Um, and so knowing, knowing the obstacles kind of that you might have to overcome as far as the timeline and as far as maybe what you're gonna have to help them with or what you're gonna have to overcome in order to, to market this listing. Uh, I think that those probably the, the, the two things that I like to try to glean um, from, from mm -hmm. the Mm -hmm. Do you ask them, I'm sorry, do you ask them about uh, like if what they're, what they still owe and those kind of things mm -hmm. so you kind of know? Mom's usually better at that than I am. She's, hell, she's able to go in and look at their uh, mortgage note and, and tell me that uh, they probably paid down 50 grand or, you know, mm -hmm. uh, me, I don't normally as much, but I should probably more. And, and Adam's right, uh, Sheila, I do a lot of that. That's one of my things, I think, with numbers. I like to know, okay, when did they buy it? What did they pay for it? Do they still have a mortgage on it? How old is that mortgage? Did they refinance it 10 times? You, you, you know what I'm saying? You, you kind of have a little bit of an idea before you walk in the door that, hey, we're going to have equity here or we're going to have a hard time getting these people out, of, out from under this house. Now, that, that's changed a lot because we're in a seller's market now. But trust me, when that flips back to that buyer's market, after, after what we're going through with the high rises, we're going to see that again, big time. If you go to Remine, Remine will estimate what they owe based on their interest rate, um, their original purchase price. It tells you if there's a second when they took it out. So there's some really good information on Remine. Well, there's another source for you guys. I, I, I don't think I've ever used Remind. I haven't, uh, I haven't either, um, but it is, it is a nice option. And, and usually the public mm -hmm. sites tell me enough information to let me know what, what's going on to a point. If they've got a second or a third mortgage, that usually will pop up. Um, and, and maybe if they, usually if they bought the house recently, that's kind of a more indicator to me that, okay, this might be an issue to, to resell. Um, or again, if, if you're seeing a couple notes on it. I also like West Virginia Property Viewer. Just Google West Virginia Property Viewer and the, the website itself will come up. That is also a great resource. You just put in the address. And especially if the property is located in what you might fear is a floodplain, it gives you that information right away. So uh, especially if it isn't your listing and you have a buyer that's asking you that, hey, I like, the, I like this property, but is it in a floodplain? Before you even go to show it, you can pull up West Virginia Property Viewer and, and it'll show you how close it is to the river and it'll show you the percentage of, of possibility that it is in a floodplain. It gives you a little more knowledge representing the buyer of um, you know, what they're walking into beforehand. Because not all agents 
know that beforehand or disclose it, you know, um, we, and, and, and also you can, if you're listing a property that's in the floodplain, um, work with your seller on who they currently have their insurance with and, and what they're per currently paying because we have found in a couple of cases that their policy can be transferred onto the next person at the same lower rate that the seller's been paying. Uh, which has saved us on a couple of deals where uh, we feared uh, the rates were going to be really high on flood insurance. Um, that's just it, so West Virginia property viewer is also a nice resource, and it's for any any. And Diane still likes her spec print, don't you, Diane? You're muted, Diane. <laughs> Up at the top. I got it. No, I, I got. It. No, I use spec print on every. Every listing, every every buyer. I just did one on a uh, for um, I wrote a contract and the agent had didn't have any information in the system at all. And I pulled the D spec print. I love gives you a footprint of the house. Gives mm -hmm. you basically estimated current value. Gives you the square footage. Um, I mean, it's it's it, it's a good source to start. You know. Diane, it's Berkeley County and Morgan County. Jefferson County doesn't have it, do no, they? No, I have it? Jefferson County. I gave oh, okay. I, I did the Tamarack for you. That was Jefferson. Yes, County. yes, that's right. You did. Yep. So I don't. So I don't have the Morgan County disc. I just have um, Jefferson and Berkeley. Okay. And you can order those. It's a hundred and fifty. I mean, anybody that wants them, I do it because I'm not in West Virginia to do mm -hmm. things. Mm -hmm. So I ordered the disc and it's $159 total for a year. You have to renew them every year. They cut you off every year, but. Is that, is that per county? Is that per county? No, no, it's 159 for oh. the two counties. So it's, okay. it's okay. for me, it's very inexpensive, especially mm -hmm. I have to have that. Me, and is, is there, I know it does a floor plan, right? It, 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 it does a plan, right? Mm -hmm. Does it do, does it have a plat? Well, you can go into maps and I have okay. to, you know, I can find it. I mean, I have to, you usually, especially if it's a subdivision, you just have to keep enlarging, enlarging, and then it'll print out what you're looking okay. and get a plot. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Of course, Jefferson County has a wonderful plant research site. I they mean, do. Jefferson County is wonderful. I have ne never figured out Ber Berkeley County other than that. I don't know if Berkeley County has it. Yeah. WestVirginiaMaps.gov, or is it MapsWestVirginia.gov? Which one is it, Michael? <laughs> <laughs> we'll have to Google that and look for I something like that. I always get mixed up because I'm kind of dyslexic, but it's either map, MapsWestVirginia.gov or vice versa. And you'll have the plat, you'll have the flood, you'll have the... Um, if it's wooded, if it's if it's you know flat, if it's this or that, it really helps to find out what your you know parcel looks like. Mm -hmm. Cool. I I want to say something on when people are listing land, just because I specialized in land. When they're listing land and there's lots of trees, make sure because honestly, land isn't land. It's it's just like houses. It's all different. So you can have a nice piece of land and there's a house on there, but they have like 10 acres of woods there. You want to know where the boundaries are, but go through there and walk through there and really look at the property, the, the woods. You can have like, if they have a good stand of walnut trees, I mean, there's value. 
I mean, you are mm -hmm. looking out getting value for your client if it has a good stand and you can call people in to appraise that, you know, and get a value on it. So you can mm -hmm. actually add, you know, how many board feet is in there of walnut. So, I mean, there is land. So you can have one piece of land here that has a, a little dinky house on it and uh, another one right here that has a beautiful home on it. They have the same amount of land, but this dinky house here has a good stand of woods on it that has excellent timber in it. And this property with the dinky house on it can actually be more valuable than this house that has a beautiful house on it. So um, I just wanted to say that too. So just keep that in mind, I would say. I have two questions, Adam. Yes. Uh, I see that. Is there, is, are they the ones in here, Debbie? Yeah, one, one is, do you often do your, you know, if you're talking to a seller and there needs to be updates that need to be done or whatever, do you do it prior to listing it? And also, how close are you when actually, it's hard to say in this market right now, <coughs> excuse me, but in a normal market, how close are you in that listing price? To what actually it sells for, right? Well, like it, like I said, a couple of the most recent ones were were, were a little low. So um, I know you did one Harper's Ferry that that I did one for. What are you, you going to say, something, Mom? I was just going to say that from this, this is the best source to go to to show your 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 list to sell. This report, Debbie, that you pull up. Like I just pulled ours up this morning and right now the average list to sell that we're bringing in is 99.43%. And so what's we're, the on that? Is that like now or is that the overall? Because well, like, this is for March, this year. This this is for this year. Okay, yeah. This okay, this is year to date. But in a normal market, because sometimes I find myself high. Yeah, yeah sure. I, and I understand that. I mean, sometimes I find myself high, sometimes I find myself low i think that that's one reason why i like to get the base value range first um uh, i think that i hate to say that you're better off being high than you are being low but um it's probably accurate i think that it's okay to come in high but then maybe depreciate your own findings to an extent explain why that um you know they might not be uh, this is the gospel, you know, and, and, and when mm -hmm. it comes down to it, they're going to relook at all this stuff and make it more current. Um, this is just the snap in time, mm -hmm. uh, stuff like that. Mm -hmm. um, and, and Debbie, we've had, we've had several clients that have overpriced us, you know, this year, this year we, you know, we'll give them a price and then maybe two or three weeks passes before we're actually going to put it on the market. And all of a sudden they'll say, you know what, I think I want to go, 420 instead of 400 and we're like uh, okay you know I, I said this year is almost like throwing spaghetti at the wall and seeing if it sticks uh, it's one of those types of year um, and sometimes it works and sometimes it doesn't we were experiencing low appraisals when the COVID first started I don't know theoretically if we not I shouldn't be saying this yet because we got a couple of appraisals still floating out there waiting to come in but we've had them, they've been coming in. Would you agree, Adam? 
Yeah, yeah, I'd say that yeah. for the most part, the, the appraisers are, are understanding of the market and they're working with us to to do it. We've had a couple that were scared. We even got over a tidewater um, yeah. with, with yes. one, which is kind of surprising. Yes, um, first one I ever had. Yeah, to, to get over a tidewater, yeah. Mm -hmm. um, but to go back to, to what Debbie was saying about coming in high, I, I actually find myself personally coming in, in low um, to try to set a more realistic picture. Right now, it's kind of, they, they laugh at me when I come in low. Um, but, but then um, support that, you know, I'm okay going in higher, that we, we have had success, uh, you know, and we can always come back down to maybe this price range later. Uh, but so, so you don't discount their opinion also that their house is very nice. Um, maybe then at that point, if they, if, if you're low and they're high that you can, they would say, well, here's the pictures like Jill was saying, and here's some of the differences that I'm seeing. And maybe you'll disprove yourself. Like, you know what, shit that you do, you got granite, you got hardwood, you know, I, maybe I'm wrong. Maybe I do need to bump this up a little bit. Um, so kind of sitting down with them and getting their feelings can sometimes divulge more information than you thought you had. <laughs> this is awesome information. Now, Debbie, for you and everybody else that's on there and anybody that listens to the recording, some of the career developments we have coming up is, is a three-part series on business planning. It's kind of broken in three different sections. Uh, so look at your career development. What is important, like we all need to have goals and stuff and have, do set our business planning, but for the agents to understand really what direction they need to go and how they can better themselves, it's really important. It's hard for us managers sometimes. It seems like we try to get agents in so we can talk to them and do business planning, but that's how you get somewhere is put your GPS together. And in order to do that, uh, Michael and myself will be getting with, after we do all this business planning, we're going to have a special business planning class. And then we can get individually with each of the agents and actually have, um, you're going to be, it's going to be interesting. You'll have a printout that we can do. It shows you the areas percentage wise where you're working. It shows your list to sell ratio. Um, and knowing that it, you should try not to go under 97. I would say that would be, that's where you want to strive to be that or higher, the closer to hundred, because you're leaving money on the table. You're losing money for your clients. Plus you're leaving money on the table. So uh, these kind of classes that we give helps build that uh, to know your average sales price. All of those things help you in marketing yourself, but it also helps you know, well, if I'm 94% list to sell price, what am I doing wrong? You know, what do I need to do? Let's focus. And that's where your managers then can set and talk with each one. But in order to do that and have a good understanding of going into 2021, and that's Knowing all this, I'm so glad you brought up list to sell ratio and that you're talking about that, Adam, also. That's what us managers we want to do. So make sure you can jump on the business planning sessions that we're going to have. There's three of them. And then we're going to, there's an actual, uh, I think it's like a half day class on business planning. And I will guarantee you, you take in consideration everything that they taught you today. 
and take business planning, you're going to see your income go up. Many times if you did the exact same thing and just adjusted those numbers, that's more money in your pocket, just doing those certain things. So anyway, thank you. Uh, Debbie, did I answer both your questions? Uh, the, the one about uh, whether I'd try to understand it a little bit, whether I'd do it before I list. Yeah, I have a seller that, that uh, has been renting. And so we're in the process of updating some things. He allowed it to be, but he wanted it on the market too. So like flooring is going down and appliances are happening here and there and people are starting to look at it. And I mean, the best thing would have been to have it done prior to listing it. Right. So you, you, are you saying, um, do I do the work first or, or do the CMA yeah. first? Do, do the work to the house before? The CMA is already done, yes. But, yeah. um, you know, listing it, actually putting it out there, you know. You're listing it with, it with its potential, with what it's going to be. Is that what you're trying to say? Yeah. yeah and that's tough because a lot of, a lot of times the, the owners don't want to wait. Um, Sometimes you can overcome it. Sometimes it's 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 a bad idea to try to overcome it, um, and it can kind of backfire on you. Uh, we've got one in Harper's Ferry where they are replacing the hardwood floors. We didn't see any problems with taking pictures of it, uh, and we might refresh them later or just they already have hardwood floors, so you know people can see it anyway. It's just going to be nicer um, as opposed to something that you know, needs, it's, it's, it's just a middle of renovation or something like that. That's really hard to kind of overcome for, for a lot of buyers. And I think you see that in new construction sales because uh, people don't buy something that's not built already. They don't buy something that the finishes aren't really even in 